Welcome to Craft of Code, a podcast brought to you by Linode that explores the stories of developers, entrepreneurs, and enterprises of all sizes from all over the world who share our mission to make cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible to all. One of nature's most powerful forces is fire. It's also one of the most dangerous, which is why it's often said that those who fight it are the bravest. We're talking today with Ruben Stranders, the co-founder and CTO of Fire Service Rota. Ruben's background in search and rescue and dissatisfaction with the antiquated alert systems used by fire brigades in the Netherlands and in other parts of Europe drove him and his co-founder and lifelong friend, Korklaas Boss, to build something better, something to make the world safer and the lives of firefighters easier. Welcome, Ruben. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, you know, when we think about fighting fires, we often think about the, the you know, the actual act of fighting them, of knocking them down with powerful water hoses. Uh, but I know there's more to it, obviously, right? There's also a lot that has to happen behind those fire trucks, you know, or before those fire trucks hit their sirens and roll out of the station. There's a lot of coordination that folks don't realize, but it hasn't always been that way. Uh, you know, it hasn't always been, how do I say this, uh, very modern. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how, fi- how Fire Service Rota came into being and sort of where where that's been, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have an interesting uh, history, a funny one. It all started with um, my lifelong friend's core um, working at a music store of all places. And is uh, his boss, the owner of the, the company, uh, is or was a firefighter. Uh, he retired a couple of years ago. And he was uh, the, the station chief. Um, so Cora was making some schedules for the music store. That was a large music store with a lot of people. And at some point, Richard, uh, the firefighter's name, he uh, asked Cora, can you please make uh, an Excel sheet like you did for the, for, for the music store? So I can see where and when I can count on my on my firefighters uh, so I can decide whether I uh, have sufficient to be able to respond to uh, to fires and uh, core famously said no I'm not going to make you uh, an excel sheet I'm going to build a, a web application and that's what he did in uh, in 2006 and the funny thing was uh, that became a big success in the, in the fire station where uh, Richard was working. And a lot of their colleagues from, from, from different towns uh, visited the, the station and were asking, hey, what is that that is hanging there on the, on the wall? And Richard was saying, well, that's our, our, our schedule, our automated scheduling system. And it tells us when we have enough people and when we don't. And if we don't have enough people, which um, skill sets are, are we missing? And that is when they started saying, well, can we have that as well? And from something of a hobby project, it started to grow into a system that was supporting two, three, five, 10, 15, 30 fire stations. So it started off as a, a small project to help a local fire station, and it grew into something a lot bigger. 
how did these fire stations do this in the past? Was it just word of mouth and the ringing of the bell and everybody come running? So I think we need to make a distinction between scheduling and alerting. So the the, the project in 2006 started with, uh, with scheduling. Alerting was already in place. Uh, the Netherlands has a um, country-wide system for, for alerting, which, have, which uh, works with, with pagers. Uh, before that, radios. This is about, or this was about, making sure that at the time of the incident, everyone was prepared. Everyone knew that they would have enough people rather than ringing the bell or uh, sending a message to the, to the pagers, then everyone running to the fire station and then finding out whether or not you have enough people to actually respond to this incident. Or after five minutes, you discover, hey, um, we were counting on this person, but they're not showing up. Or, more, or worse, we didn't actually know who we were counting on. So this was about preparedness and making sure that at the time of the incident, you could look at the, the schedule and say, well, we're expecting these people. We know that they fill out their, their, their schedules on the fly using either desktop or, or, or a mobile application. So they knew whether, they, whether or not they had enough people at the moment the, the incident came in, not five minutes later, which by law, they should start moving towards the, the incident. So it saves precious minutes. And in this case, Richard could say, they could call back to the to fire control and say, based on our schedule, we don't expect to have enough people. So you, you might as well start alerting the, the, the neighboring town so they can send their fire truck. So let's get into that a little bit because at a, at a high level, how does technology, and I guess more directly the cloud, you know, how does that help you do what you do and build what you build? Well, starting in, in 2006, we already were uh, using um, maybe not so much cloud, but at least uh, software as a service. So there was one uh, uh, large-ish uh, server uh, standing in a data center somewhere, and uh, the application was um, accessible through the internet and through smartphone. And this was already a, a step ahead of anything else that existed. You know, If you have Excel or, or worse, you have a paper schedule, very few people would be able to, to see it or update it in real time. So therefore, the, the schedule loses its, its accuracy and, and therefore its value. So right from the outset, Core uh, understood that uh, this application needs to be accessible and anywhere and everywhere. So people are incentivized and it's as easy as possible to, to keep their schedules up, up to date. Later on, when I joined, and that was uh, 2013, the company had already grown to, I would, I think about 150 to 200 fire stations in the Netherlands. We decided to start over. The application was originally written in, in, in PHP. Uh, we redesigned it, rewrote it into uh, Ruby on Rails. Um, and we were using the that big server that was still there in the, in the data center somewhere until we found out, you know, sometimes we need to reboot that server. Sometimes we uh, need to do some updates to it. We had a situation where uh, our old cloud provider at some point needed to swap a disk. There were two disks, they weren't labeled. And they said, well, we're going to pull out one of them and 50% chance that everything goes well. So that wasn't, that wasn't great. 
that is when we switched to to Linux, and uh, we we started with a, a few servers, providing some redundancy, uh, making sure that the application could stay online virtually all of the time. And that, for scheduling, that was, I would say, important. Uh, we will come later to what we do now, which is also alerting, and that is 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 critical that we have uh, no downtime. So to answer your question and summarize, uh, I would say, yeah, the cloud has always been in, in our blood. We have always worked um, from a concept of, of software as a service. So it's accessible wherever and whenever you, uh, you are, rather than installed software or, yeah, on-premises. And, and, like and like you said, I think trust comes into, trust must play a pretty big factor uh in this as well correct you mean in terms of trust uh in your provider as well yeah. as you know as, as well as your end users being able to trust what you're doing absolutely absolutely yeah we the trust that our end users are giving us we need to to respect and 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 by doing so we need to make sure that the rest of the value chain uh, and the supply chain so going back to our providers is uh is is uh, redundant and resilient yeah absolutely you know over the past couple of years we've watched this alternative cloud category catch fire no pun intended um, mm -hmm. okay maybe a little pun intended uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so how have how has having options like linode um, helped you build and manage fire service rota how has that changed how you look how you approach cloud and how you approach your infrastructure well, right from the outset, uh, when, when we were switching from a dedicated server to, to cloud, which is more scalable, we did some research into um, the landscape for virtual uh, server providers. And Linode stood out, and it still does, in terms of simplicity, in terms of uh, pricing, in terms of performance. And I think what is really important for us is to have no type of vendor login. That's where we've always looked for solutions that allowed us to port whatever we have to a different provider if we want to. And Linode is, is good at this. Um, so we have never really looked into other large scale providers uh, such as AWS because AWS has and it imposes their own way of thinking. They have a set of services, they have a set of APIs. But if I want to port that from one day into another because we're not happy, because we're uh, seeing some issues with them, hypothetically, that would be a large engineering task to make, be able to port our, our services. Um, now we're using Kubernetes. We're using Kubernetes engine from, from the node. We're very happy with this, but this also gives us the option to, to take our uh, GitOps uh, configuration and say, well, we'll switch to someone else because you know maybe we're, we're seeing some issues or what we're actually doing or what we're thinking of doing, having a, a secondary uh, installation somewhere else. Currently that is in, in London and uh, Frankfurt with Linode, but we have the option to, to go some, to somewhere else as long as they provide Kubernetes, which is vendor agnostic. 
So let's 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 dive down that geeky road a little bit, right? And let's talk a little sure. bit about that. So what role I mean, tell me a little bit more about the role Kubernetes plays in with Fire Service Rota, because uh, it sounds like it gives you a lot of portability options here. Yeah, it gives us portability. It allows us to to quickly scale up and down um, to have uh, secondary systems in a different data data center uh, where we can easily switch over within you know five to ten minutes. It gives us an audit trail. Uh, we store all our configuration in uh, in GitOps, which is quite important for us. Um, in also in terms of security and ISO twenty seven uh, twenty seven thousand one. It makes sure that we have access control, uh, we can roll back, we have version control, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it plays a really important role. It's self-healing. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tool that matches the, the, the redundancy and resilience that we need to provide our customers. And does, it, does the managed aspect of that help out? Absolutely. I think we don't want to go as far as saying, okay, we'll, we'll also manage Kubernetes from scratch, uh, install it, maintain it. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm very much a fan of of managed Kubernetes. And for the past couple of years, it has felt like the world has been on fire, twenty four by seven. But we know that it's not right; that it goes up and down, and there are peaks and valleys. You use uh, node balancers uh, to to scale up and down during busier times. Can you talk to me a little bit about? what role they play and sort of how you use them. Yeah, sure. We have um, in front of our, our Kubernetes clusters, we have node balancers, make sure, making sure that traffic is rooted to um, the, the servers that have the, the, the least load at that point. This is automatically provisioned with, uh, with Linode. We're very happy with this. Our approach to um, scaling up and down is, is really a, a more of a conservative uh, approach, which is to scale up 20-30% above what we're, we see or expect that we need and monitor from there on. So every time we see that we might get into a situation where traffic is increasing towards 60-70%, we increase our, our capacity even further. And that currently is a click of a button. I am aware that we could also do auto scaling, but you know this is sort of more of a conservative approach to uh, to scaling, given the, the the critical task that our customers are are uh, our critical role that they're fulfilling. It's very important for us to to just you know maybe pay a little bit more, maybe have some idle capacity, but absolutely making sure that. We are here to serve our primary task, whatever it takes and whatever it it costs. What are some of the what are some of the other technologies uh, that you're using inside, you know, to build out Fire Service Rota? You know, not necessarily Linode, but are there any other important technologies that are critical to this to its success? What is very important to us is monitorability and being able to to receive alerts and and know that we receive alerts in case something goes goes awry. Um, so we're using Grafana for uh, dashboarding and, 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 and collecting metrics, Ops, uh, sort of, uh, yes, then Ops Genie for uh, alerting. 
and that goes through our, our, our smartphones. Uh, we get a voice call if, if necessary. So we have a, a DevOps team that is on call 24-7 to make sure that our systems stay up and running because also our customers use, they are ready to go 24-7. So we match that uh, their schedules in that sense. And I know we've talked a lot about the scheduling aspect of this, and I've heard you brought, bring up alerting every now and then. Um, is that some, Is that a different side of fire service, Rota, that you're building out? It is interconnected. So alerting, um, what how it used to work is with with pagers. And pagers would be configured to listen to a certain uh, radio channel, uh, numeric radio channel, and if uh, the if fire control sends a message to that, all the pagers that are configured to that radio channel would go off, regardless of whether or not they would be on call, regardless of whether they are the firefighters are within the range of the fire station. Um, and they would all go off. There's no concept of, you know, scaling up if people um, accept or reject, which, by the way, is not possible with with the uh, the old version of pagers. It is now possible to say, I'm, I acknowledge that I'm, I'm coming to the station. But we add a different layer of intelligence to this. We connect this to the schedule. We look at who is currently available in available teams, we alert those first. We wait 30 seconds for acknowledges, acknowledgements to come in and then take a decision on whether to scale up, to maybe look at people who wouldn't be the first line responders, but they would be, for example, available in, in teams that are on standby. And then we have other then we have other uh, alerting policies, for example, to make sure that we alert only the people who are who have the right skills in the moment, um, based on fairness. How long it is is ago that someone attended uh, an incident, and that is very important as well for, for example, motivation. Um, a lot of our customers are volunteers, and volunteers want to serve their their communities. It could happen, for example, that in the past, that people who live closer to the fire station would get more opportunity to, to respond to fires. Now, with more clever alerting systems and also connecting that with scheduling, it would be the people who uh, haven't gone to an incident for some time um, based on their skill set and based on their specific type of availability within the, the schedules sounds like a smarter more efficient way a uh, more modern way of you know sounding alarms for fires uh, one alarm two alarm fires indeed and and motivation plays an important role here as well to make sure that everyone is motivated to and that they know that the world gets a their fair share of of incidents as i mentioned before it, it is a a in some stations, a, a critical issue that the people who would live closer would get more incidents because simply they would arrive uh, first. I grew up in a town with a volunteer uh, fire department, so I know exactly what you're uh, what you're talking about there. Uh, which brings me to sort of my final question here, and I think it's probably the most important one. 
because it gets to the human side. What's some of the feedback that you get from fire station managers uh, who are using the service? First of all, I must say um, what I like about firefighters is that they are very honest and sometimes also critical, but they are helpful. So we get all kinds of feedback. We get feedback about, you know, this doesn't work for us because uh, in our fire station, unlike the, the neighbor, neighboring fire station, we do things in a slightly different way. Uh, this led us to, to build out our, our configuration settings so we don't have to develop uh, specific configuration for specific stations, but this can be configured by our customer success team. Um, what we also hear from the younger generations is why am I still using my, my, my old pager? I'm, I'm getting my alerts on, on my smartphone, so I'm, I'm leaving it at home. And that was funny because uh, a couple of years ago, we didn't do primary alerting in the sense that we, we safeguarded the process of alerting completely. It was more of an optional or a backup system where people could give confirmation of attendance, but it wasn't a, a critical process. But now it has become a critical process. The, the, the pagers are, are left at home and we have a customer in Denmark who is not using pagers at all. They're just using uh, smartphones that are alerted by our systems. The feedback overall um, is positive. And, and one of the best uh, pieces of feedback I, I, we received was from a, a spouse of a, a firefighter in Denmark. And she said, thank you, Fire Service Rotor, for uh, making sure that my husband now knows, using his schedule, whether he is absolutely needed, because he is part of the, the, the minimal minimum crew right now or he can take some time off previously before fire service rota he didn't know he was always on call he said now i cannot uh, have a have a couple of beers with my friends because i might be called out we cannot leave this the, the town because i might be called out and now it is no he knows that he has plenty of colleagues who are currently on call so he can make himself unavailable and spend some time with his family and is this so? Is this is Fire Service Rota only in Europe now? Because as I'm hearing you talk and knowing friends that are firefighters, it seems to me like this is something that should be rolled out globally. Well, I fully agree with that. Um, we have been focusing on on Europe. That is uh, that is true. Uh, but yeah, we are looking into entering the U.S. market as well. And I think we have a lot to offer for both volunteer and, and whole-time career fire stations. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to roll this out to a lot more fire stations because our mission really is to serve the ones who serve. And to be honest, those who, do, those who serve have not been uh, served by the technology sector sufficiently. There is a, a large group of, of emergency uh, responders who simply don't have the, the, the tools like their colleagues maybe in the Netherlands, uh, Denmark and the UK. And I'd love to make the difference. I'd love to make their lives easier to make sure that they can spend more time with their with their family when they when they want. Um, to make sure that they stay motivated and to make sure that they know that they were going to be alerted they have their spot on the on the fire a fire truck and they know that sufficient 
of their uh, their colleagues will show up so they can serve their communities better. Ruben, thank you. Uh, not only for coming on the podcast today, but for the important work you do to keep people safe and firefighters and their families happier. Uh, so where can folks find out more about Fire Service Rota? You can find more information about our services uh, on uh, fireservicerota.com. And I'm also personally happy to, uh, to support anyone and everyone who wants to know more about our services and how we can support them in supporting their communities better. And how should they get a hold of you there? Where can they follow you on Twitter? They can send me a direct email. I'm happy to respond to any, anyone and everyone who, uh, who sends me a message. And that would be Ruben at fireserviceroute.com. Great. Thank you so much, Ruben. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Craft of Code. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please subscribe to make sure you're the first to hear when we release future episodes. And we'd love it if you left a review. 